0: Is the Next Trip podcast with aviation insiders Doug and Drew. Together, with more than 40 years of industry experience, they are creating a network for other avgeeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. All thoughts and opinions are their own. Good day, and welcome to Boarding Pass 200, operating on September 25th, 2023. This is Drew, an airline ops manager, and I'm here with my buddy Doug, an airline pilot. We're here to discuss aviation topics from an industry insider's perspective. Doug, we made it to episode 200 when we started this Enterprise, more uh, realistically, dog and pony show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds better. Enterprise sounds very professional and stuffy. It sounds, yeah.
0: Did you ever think that we'd get to 200 episodes and have a run approaching four years? I don't don't feel like I've known you for four years yet.
1: No, I didn't feel like we would make it to episode 10. The first couple (laughs) were very painful, and I know we've said this. Thank you to the listeners for sticking with us especially those who were there from the beginning, because it wasn't good. (laughs) Although I I, I think we're we're harder on ourselves than our listeners are, because a lot of people have said, well, no, we can tell it's better now. But it wasn't bad back then.
0: Well, I just got something from uh, a listener. We don't even know the listeners that have been with us the whole time. So today, Nick, who's been listening to every single episode, just told us how much he appreciates us. And I told him, it's like, this is what keeps us going, right? Sometimes we think we're too av-geeky, but we're not doug you just got back from shanghai now had had you ever been to mainland china
1: no i hadn't and i hadn't been to hong kong Uh, technically hong kong is china but a lot of people argue argue that it's not i hadn't been there in 15 years so i have not been to that part of the world aside from taiwan in 15 years and yes first time in mainland china
0: even hong kong you went when I think you were in high school, uh, college, I was in college, college, was it what you were expecting?
1: It was, yes, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful, vibrant city. And what was really cool about it was the mix of the old Chinese culture with like a contemporary China, of course, driving from the airport, you see what you read about in all all the books, all the news articles about just these buildings, these massive apartment buildings that stretch for literally miles and miles and miles. And as far as the eye can see, they're all the same height. They're all the same architecture style. It's just building after building. That's that's what you see on the way driving into town. We stayed in the Pudong district, which is just off of the river. It was like three or four blocks off the river, just outside of like the main central financial district of Shanghai. My hotel, I had this gorgeous view of downtown. I went for a walk along the river. The architecture was stunning, especially at night. It, it I, I think I said it reminded me of Hong Kong. And from the pictures that I sent you, you, yeah. Ian, a couple other people said very much looks like Hong Kong. It's just this vibrant. I can't even really describe it other than just like <laughs> this electricity, this energy that you feel in the right. city. And it's uh, all the new architecture is intermixed with the old Chinese culture, mm-hmm. so, some of those historical buildings that you see. It was just such such an eclectic yet awesome city.
0: Did you see any of the old Shanghai? They, they talk about old Shanghai, like old New York, like that, yeah. you know, the glitz and glamour and um, almost like a Hollywood version of Shanghai in the old days. Yeah, And they I, also had, you know, a period where it was the gilded age, if you will,
1: I tried to walk over there. But the problem was the crew wanted to go out for dinner right after we landed. So we did that I, I went out for dinner with the crew. And we ended up sitting there a lot longer mm-hmm. than what we had expected. They all went back to the hotel to go to bed. And I said, Okay, well, I'm gonna go out for my walk now. But because of that, I, I just didn't have the time to go explore. I think right. next time, well, and then the next day, we, we took the subway to a market, which I'll talk about here in a second. I think that in the future, now that I, I know kind of where the subway goes in relation to old Shanghai, I think I'm just going to hit the ground running. If they want to go out for dinner, say, sorry, I'm not trying to be antisocial, but I, I have things on my <laughs> list mission. that I have to go see. And there's a subway station right right below our hotel so, I figure land, change, hop on the subway, and go. It, Is it be easy easier to, get to get around very like Hong easy. Kong? Is it okay? Super easy. Well, yeah, and that was company... that was the problem. I tried to walk the first night uh-huh. and I was just tired because I, I, I was like, I, I always prefer walking if I can, especially after landing. It just gets the blood flowing again, gets your legs stretching, but it was a little bit farther than what I had anticipated. Uh. I was a little bit more tired than what I realized, and I got a late start because of the dinner.
0: Right. It's not exactly a little, a a walkable, it's not, it's like trying to walk and see LA, I'm sure, Shanghai, I'm sure it's like 20 million people. (laughs) Yeah. But I think, I think the company has daily flights to Shanghai, if I'm not mistaken, so I'm sure there'll be opportunities for you to get back.
1: Yeah, it won't be hard for me to get back. I have to tell you about dinner, though, I, I haven't told you this, I was saving it for when we record dinner was awesome. It was like a dim sum type place Mm -hmm. where you just, you order family style and everyone just eats from, from all the trays or all, all the plates that come out. No English speaking menu, no English speaking people at the restaurant, which is perfect. Like that's, that's what I wanted. The people were incredibly friendly. Everyone who we ran into, incredibly friendly. But when we paid as we left this restaurant the cashier was literally using an abacus. To, oh no way! <laughs> to figure out the change that That's was owed great. back, and uh-huh. it, it was like, man, this is this, what a great way to have my first Chinese, true Chinese mainline experience is. This dude yeah. is tabulating our check with an abacus. It was it was right. amazing.
0: Yeah, and they're doing it. For real. It's not like, hey, do the abacus so we can get more tourists in here. No.
1: He was was looking at us and just... I'm doing it with my fingers right now. It was was nuts to see him using this abacus. I haven't used an abacus since I was in probably first grade. I I would have no idea what to do with it. And this guy is Uh just tabulating how how much Yuan he owes us back.
0: So I wonder if everyone or most people in China know how to use an abacus. That's a good question. So for our listeners in that part of the world, if that's normal let us know or if that's just an archaic
1: he was quite a bit older i'm Mm -hmm. guessing it's probably a generational thing kind of like here where a a lot of older generations here can do addition subtraction in their mind without having to use their phone calculator or whatever it is that that people use these days, I, I think it, it probably was just the generation that he grew up in, and he continues to do it, and it was it was fascinating. But I think I told you I fell in love with Shanghai. Shanghai is one of those mm-hmm. cities that when as soon as you get there, you're like, oh man, I, this is a place that I has my heart and that
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I will continually want to go back to. And then the the day that we left, we went to this market. It wasn't officially called the airline market. But uh-huh. for all intents and purposes, that's what people call it. Think of markets in some of these countries where you can buy some legitimate things, some uh-huh. knockoff things, I guess, is is probably the PC way of saying it. But they definitely catered to air crew, airline crew, not just from the U.S., but from all over the world, because mm-hmm. they had airplane models from basically every airline that could possibly fly to Shanghai, prominently displayed. You can buy it.
0: Well, Your, talk about, talk about marketing. The sign for the store has our company's logo and other airlines logos. Is that to attract you? That to was, that?
1: that was one out of about 300 stores that all had the air, the airlines tails and logos on them. It all, all the, all the crews stay right near there. They know that the crew fly to Shanghai and they leave with a whole bunch of stuff like I did as well. That's what it is. They, and, and they could tell that we were crew without us even saying anything and they said oh we give you the air crew special we right. you don't need to barter no bartering with us we'll we'll give you the air crew special
0: you know what i'm thinking it's a tourist trap but crews are a- actually very astute as to prices because they're there all the time so you probably yes. get very good deals there
1: some of the flight attendants who are on this trip say that all they do is shanghai and they only hmm. do it for the
0: shopping for the- oh wow <laughs> Yes. Are they actual? They're knockoffs, but are they from the the manufacturers that make the actual versions? <laughs> the,
1: there are a lot of varying answers on this. I think the one that I've heard the most, and I, I don't know if this is true or if it's just rumor, but there's quality control at the factories, mm. and if an item does not pass quality check, quality control, it gets pulled from the inventory. They have to do something with it. So yes, mm. it's not hmm. officially purchased through the company. Marissa yeah. said think of it think of it like an outlet store, but you're you're paying where where you're paying less for whatever the product is. Now, I know outlets now have morphed more into just another place to go to buy the same product that you would at the main right. store. But I I think that that is where they're heading with this or or kind yeah. of what what the products are. Now, there are some that were obviously knockoffs and I, I'm not going to touch that stuff because it'll fall apart within like a week of getting home.
0: Right. It's like, uh, at work just this week, one of the, one of the girls that works at the manager desk, she said she loves the company. The company, um, issues jackets and stuff from this maker called Carhartt. That's who does uh, yeah. uniforms. And she bought one somewhere else. Right. And she said, yeah, I bought this Carhartt. And the, the label is kind of fading off. And I'm like, are you sure that wasn't Carhartt with a K K?" three r's (laughs) but okay so this is this is an aviation podcast so how were the flights to shanghai how was the airport tell me about the aviation experience of shanghai flights
1: to from completely full which doesn't surprise me at all right now because until next month the u.s airlines are still limited to 12 total flights a day from the u.s this was one of those 12 that delta american and united mm. all share uh, in mm-hmm. part was not surprised that the flight was completely full because the chinese carriers don't have that many flights as well i think it's a, a one for one i think there's mm-hmm. 24 total daily flights from the u.s non-stop to mainland china this was mm-hmm. one of those next month it's going up to 24 for each airline which which is great that means our airline that means All the other airlines are able to increase the service, which that's what we need. The airport itself, Shanghai Pudong, what a gorgeous airport. Hmm. Just striking from an architectural standpoint. Seemed very efficient. The duty-free had lots of good shopping. We were a little bit late getting to the airport, so I didn't really have time to to pop in. I always feel a little bit uncomfortable going into a duty-free store in uniform. There are certain places, like I'm going to Rome tonight, and I'm going to buy a bottle of wine on the way home because that's mm. what you do when you come back from Rome. Other places, I I just, I, I don't know. In uniform, I feel uncomfortable doing the duty-free stuff, but if I was a passenger, what, what a fantastic airport. It was beautiful, very efficient. AvGeek Eye Candy. Drew, I oh. saw a China Southern. I saw a Comac. The 919. Oh, really? The 717 CRJ 900 knockoff. I, I hate to call it a knockoff, but it looks identical to that. Or no, no, that's not the 919. That's the ARJ twenty. The ARJ. Yep, you I, saw, I saw the ARJ. Yeah.
0: How did it look? Did it look like a MD-95? It looked weird. It, it looked,
1: it looked <laughs> like a mashup. The engines looked like a CRJ 900, and the body okay. looks like a short 717. We landed. We're holding short of the runway to cross, and here goes an ARJ what is it? 21? ARJ-21. ARJ Taxi by. I'm like, holy cow, I'm in China <laughs> you right saw now. It. This, is, this yeah. is amazing.
0: Well, the ARJ-21, we did a segment on this. How could they copy it exactly? Isn't yeah. that proprietary? But it, it was actually approved because China was was making MD-80s for a while. So they were allowed to use this design. So it wasn't illegal. But it, it is basically a DC-9. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Which it, is awesome. It looked, so it, it looked, lives in another form. Yeah. And then we we pull in right next to a Mahan Air A three forty six hundred, the mm, Iranian nice. carrier, mm-hmm, which green. I don't see that anywhere other than probably China or just a yeah. handful of destinations. You could just feel that you were in some place else. Some place that is not <laughs> normal for us to go.
0: Now do the Russians fly to Shanghai? I didn't I'm pretty see sure it. they
1: do. I'm sure they do. I, I didn't see anything. I, I saw mm. a lot of Asian carriers. There, there were a lot of European carriers there as well, though. I, Lufthansa had a couple airplanes on the ground, KLM, Air France, all, all the players that you would expect. But the yeah. at the market, they were telling us, that they, they were begging for us to bring service back as if like I could... Just mm. talk to the airline and say, "Let's." It's not a, we want. We want tri- to triple our to. flights. They're like, they're like, please bring more flights back. <laughs> we we miss all of you. Please we, come back.
0: But it's not us. It's the government's playing yes, nice, nice, I, right? I we know. want to. <laughs>
1: yeah, and they want us to very badly.
0: All right. So, speaking of China and a whole bunch of other countries, they're all here this week for the UN General Assembly.
1: Your pictures are New amazing.
0: York. I know, right? They're up in New York, but you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't even think to to know, but. A lot of them. They, there's not enough parking spots at Kennedy or New York Airport. so they fly. Uh, they park a lot of their heavies at Washington D.C. At, at my airport. So I think I sent you a picture, which was like the UN out on the taxiway. <laughs> right. <laughs> we had Japan, Korea. I don't know what that Russian airplane was doing there because Putin is not in town. But I guess someone. He probably is had a representative. Yeah. Right, and then we had. Uh, someone i i can't remember it, but was a, it was an
1: il 214 right i could only see the tail i couldn't see the body it was it was
0: yeah <laughs> it would have been an il 96 or 96 that's right yeah, yeah yeah 214 or the 204 i think there is a two i was am mixing both up the tu 204 yeah they're both russian 757s but anyway real no quick. no so, the 90
1: the 96 is the a340 is the Russian A340.
0: Oh, no. Yeah, I'm just talking about the 214 and the 204. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of that clump of airplanes there, we actually had to save one of them because uh, one from Japan, I won't mention the carrier that was operating it, comes into town, they didn't have a plan for who was going to provide the ground equipment. So, of course, I'm the savior because we are the biggest carrier at the airport. And when they're done asking questions, they finally, even the airport directs them to us <laughs> like we're like we're some help center. <laughs> so I got a call from not that airline, but the contractor who is handling that airline needs two ground power units, an air start machine, air conditioning. I'm like, wait, I OK, I have my own operation to run right now. This this is the first I've heard of it. And they've already gone to two people at our company. And those people finally say i don't know what to do so i get the call (laughs) eventually i will get the call we get our move team to take them over to ground power units and eventually we got them air conditioning and all that good stuff and then we have to do some sales and service sheet and ian was asking how i did that or you know on our chat with them and i'm like i have no idea i'm operations my job is to fix the problem and mm-hmm. the business office can deal with the sales and service sheet. I'm not pay- accounts payable. <laughs> and we've had this before where we, where we helped another major carrier with an A350. They needed a pushback. It was diversion. So, of course, you know, who is the helper of last resort? It's my number. So we got him a, <laughs> a wide-body push. And, you know, I, we just tell the business office, that we took care of it. And then later they'll ask me, all right, what exactly did we do? How many people did we send? And it's not like we're, we're fleecing these people. I think we only charged that carrier $300. But anyway, point of the story you're,
1: is... You're like you're <laughs> like those lawyer billboards on the side of the highway. Need help? <laughs> right. Call Drew. 888-888-888-888. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's the whole thing. Don't call me. I got my own operation. But I'm never going to say no. I'm never going to say no a, a or velo
1: mr there, there's one near us right now it's like miss call mr fix it 888 888 drew right next. mr fix it
0: yeah i mean i think i was telling you about a velo just out of the blue had a diversion they were pleading for a ground power <laughs> unit because no one could help them and i'm like all right move team move this a couple remote spots over let's help them out when i started writing the outline for this episode This first segment was supposed to be all about our flight to London and about the company's San Francisco-London flight, which traces its history to Pan Am Flight 1 from San Francisco to London. Alas, we didn't go on that trip because one of our dogs, who's right next to me right now, will be going to doggy heaven soon, and I had to cancel. I'm happy he's lived a long life, but still, I'm sad to see him go, so this episode is going to be a little bit melancholy. It's not going to be as... As active as it normally is, but he's lived a long life, and we've been having conversations. I mean, he's he's doing okay. He's peaceful. He's sleeping. That will be today.
1: It's time, and I'm sorry about that, Drew. And I'm sure the listeners all feel your pain. I had to put two dogs down in the last Mm -hmm. year and a half. It's it's hard, but he's lived a a great life. I'll I'll try and keep you upbeat and excited. (laughs) And as the listeners can probably hear, I'm getting over. I I think I sent you a, a meme this week. Mm-hmm. It's, it was a hockey fight. And the person who was on the ice getting punched, it said, family of four and the person doing the punching is uh, something about like school sickness coming to uh-huh. town or something like that. But yes, I know we had been building this up for a really long time. And we were going to go to London. That That was mm-hmm. our plan. We were supposed to be flying there tonight. We were going to the Thames the and Prime Meridian and the Prime, Prime Meridian line and, and Brewery GMT. Hop and, <laughs> and do it, do all that. Don't worry. We we've got a lot, uh, something I think even better even actually better. now planned for a couple weeks from now. And because of that, but, I
0: no. but what, what do we say? We say people over planes, right? So over planes. canceled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We canceled the trip, which was going to be fabulous, but this is more important. It's also pets over planes. Pets over planes. I'm here with yep. Pets over planes.
1: Honestly, as much as I was looking forward to London, I think that our our backup plan now is is going to be even better than what London yeah. was going to be.
0: I don't want to keep it a secret, so just stay okay. tuned till the end of the show and
1: we'll just tell you. And then I I traded my trip, the London trip because I've been there quite a bit for Rome. I'm going to Rome again tonight because our company right. ends this flight it's just a seasonal flight from San Francisco next week. This is one of the the final flights.
0: That's great. And you you don't need to bring back shortbread cookies. We can get that here. Bring back an Italian bottle of wine.
1: Well, we decided to go ahead with this episode just to keep Drew's mind off the moment Let's get to something upbeat. Let's get to the news. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I
0: wish we could talk about good news topics, but they're all either bad or sad. So let's rip the Band-Aid off. It seems like a theme for this episode. I mean, we're trying to be positive, but we just have to worry. <laughs> we got to power through this. All right, Delta Airlines changed its mileage program drastically this week. It's it's not good, Doug. This is not good at all. And I hope the, all the airlines don't follow it. It is going from a mileage system to purely a revenue-based system and it's going to affect how you gain status and it's going to affect club access. Doug, you were a frequent flyer in your previous life and still have status with the airlines. I will list the changes and I'll let you tell me how it could affect traveler's including yourself. So Delta is changing its SkyMiles program with the Medallion Qualifying Dollars, or MQD, serving as the only qualifier for Medallion status. Medallion Qualifying Miles and Qualifying Segments will be discontinued. Delta used to calculate Million Miler status, including MQMs and MQSs. United and American only used But in Seat, or actual miles flown. Delta is now following American and United in how they gauge a Million Miler. You with me so far, am I, am I right? Because I kind of cobbled this together.
1: Yeah, no, that, that, is, that is right. They're going fully revenue-based, and they're changing the way that they calculate the million-miler.
0: Got it. Okay. Also now, Delta Sky Club access is also changing for holders of Delta Sky Mile's Reserve Amex cards and Amex Platinum cards. Unlimited club visits will now be restricted to only 10 and 6 visits, respectively, unless you spend a whopping $75,000 a year on your card. Uh, The thresholds to maintain medallion status will also increase by 100% for each level for 2025 and beyond. So just as an example, for their first tier, which is silver medallion, it's going from 3,000 MQDs to uh, mile qualifying dollars to 6,000. So just for their first level, you got to spend $6,000. What are your thoughts on this?
1: My thoughts are, I I understand it from the, the business side of things a little bit, that revenue is is where it's at. And with the proliferation of all these credit cards, getting status has become quite a bit easier. It, it just has because you can put a lot of spend on the card and you can get the status. But talking to a lot of our, our friends over the last week or so, who are Delta loyalists or not, not even Delta loyalists, what a lot of people are saying, and a lot of what I've been reading is that Delta in a way did this to themselves. It, it's a problem the the problem stems from the fact that delta has too many elite flyers and it has not become that much of a benefit for the elites who fly they don't get the upgrades they don't get some of the perks because there were so many elite flyers in a way they did it to themselves because they extended status during covid longer than other airlines did meaning if you got your status in 2019 you probably held your status until at least 2022 without even flying on the airline. So status just kept getting rolled and rolled. Now that's done, but they're still, they're they're like, okay, well, how do we, how do we diminish the number of, or decrease the number of people who are elites so that the people who do get it, it goes back to what it used to be that actually a, a good bonus that you get for being elite. They also with the clubs that dealt the. We love the Sky Club. Sky Club is great. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. everyone awesome. else does. And it's become easier and less expensive to get into. I know the credit card is still 600 some dollars which seems like a lot of money. But if you travel a lot, we've talked about how it's worth it. That's a problem in and of itself. They've made it such a good product. And they've made it so attainable then now they're they're dealing with overcrowding issues you see pictures of lines to get into
0: the clubs well right and here's the problem so anyone with an Amex platinum card regardless if you only flown delta once you can use the club so all these people have access to the club but and you have to be waste. you have
1: to be on delta though with with the amex yes. platinum that that is one thing but still it, you could be on a mileage ticket a cheap mileage ticket in the back and mm-hmm. you could go to the sky club which right. it, that's great for the common traveler It's not so great for the people like my dad, who travel all the time for work. They're expecting to grab a quick lunch before a flight, and there's a line to get into the club.
0: Dale is uh, Doug's dad, and we refer to him as not without my status. Is he a million miler yet with with Delta? He's a two million miler. So doesn't he get those, aren't those baked into, uh, doesn't he get those benefits permanently because of that? He gets
1: gold. He gets gold permanently. He does not get platinum permanently. Does gold give
0: you access to the clubs?
1: No. Again, I, I can see Delta is trying to solve a problem, but I don't know if this is the right way to go about solving the problem. And something else too is Delta in Securities and Exchange Commission filings, it's come to light that Delta gets billions of dollars a year from their American Express partnership, more so than any other airline in the world.
0: Well, hold that thought because we have a whole segment on that.
1: Yes, I, I think <laughs> With that how much
0: is, these programs are
1: worth. <laughs> I think this is going to chip into that. I, I, Delta is yeah. looking at it oh. like people are going to be inclined to spend more. I think that they are actually now I get it. There are smart numbers guys sitting on spreadsheets mm-hmm. somewhere who made this decision and they probably ran the risk reward and they figured oh, sure. that the that the reward was better than the risk of losing a lot of people. But I, I think that this is going to come back and bite Delta harder than what they are expecting.
0: Well, can I tell you the problem with this? Like my concern with this is, I'll just give you an example. So when Robbie and I moved to DC, we were kind of poor. It was my new job. Robbie wasn't working, but we were foodies. We still like to go out and eat. And we would wait for this thing called restaurant week. Mm-hmm. So DC would have restaurant week. So you could go to the fancy restaurants and it was like $30. So guess what? Once we became more comfortable and we were not didn't have to look for deals, We went back to some of those restaurants that we enjoyed, that we discovered during restaurant week. So I think with Delta having these high bars, right, high hurdles, some of the other carriers are going to get these frequent flyers early on, fresh out of college or young people that are just getting into their careers and wanting to start a loyalty, an affiliation with an airline. Delta may lose out on some of those because there's so many restrictions. But will the other airlines follow suit? They might and you know, when it comes down to it, you're talking about elite status. If everyone I think Delta even said this in one of the if everyone's elite, then no one's elite. Yeah. So I can I, understand their side.
1: I, I think that that's really what they're going for is the elite program just became too big. There were too many people who were elites. It used to be if you were platinum or higher, you were almost guaranteed an upgrade, which is a huge perk. Like if if you're almost guaranteed an upgrade, you're gonna put all of your all your eggs in that company's basket, if that's who you fly with. And that's really gone away. And I I think that that's something that Delta is trying to address, we won't know the impacts of this, probably for like two to three years, really, we won't, because it's going to take a little bit of time for those numbers to wane for us to see how many people actually do get elite status with this with this new program. And also what sort of either a hit or a benefit to Delta's revenue does this decision make? It's early on. Anytime bad news comes watch. out, the the bad news just seems to percolate and it, it seems like it's terrible. That's all everyone is talking about right now. A couple months from now, people won't be talking about this. The elites will oh. feel a little bit more elite because they'll get those statuses. I, I think it's just they rip the bandaid off. It hurt right now. A few months yeah. from now, people... Some people might still harbor resentment towards Delta, but I I think it's something people will forget about.
0: What do they say about drastic change, right? First there's chaos, then there's denial, then there's the seven seven (laughs) stages of grief, basically. So we're in the chaos stage. Yeah. (laughs)
1: All right. Well, we'll see if Delta's decision is successful and if other carriers follow their contrails. And other more concerning news, we have to jump back into geopolitics, as we've done for 200 episodes, <laughs> because air travel between Canada and India may see a major disruption. India stopped issuing visas to Canadian visits Thursday after Prime Minister Trudeau alleged that India may have been involved with the killing of a Canadian citizen, Hardeep Singh Nijar, on June 18th. Nijar was a leader of a Sikh temple supporting Khalistan separatists. Khalistan is a sheik homeland in the Punjab region. He is wanted in India, which has labeled him a terrorist. India has called the murder allegations absurd. In a tit for tat, both countries have expelled a diplomat, just just one a <laughs> single diplomat, but when That's one on country when one country expels <laughs> one, the other usually follows. Indian news website Mint said that they're seeing a spike of up to 25% last-minute fares between the two countries. Air India and Air Canada are the only two airlines operating nonstop flights flights between the countries, with 48 flights a week. Air India flies daily between Delhi and Toronto and Vancouver, and Air Canada flies daily between Delhi and Toronto, three times a week between Delhi and Montreal. About half a million passengers flew on just the Delhi to Toronto route alone last year. Emotions are high for travelers in both countries with students and friends and family now reconsidering booking flights to and from India. I know that India or uh, Canada has a huge Indian population.
0: Yeah, I don't think like the story is not really being covered. So when I learned about this, I'm like, there's lots of flights. There's a lot of traffic between those two countries. And that is going to be stopped now. And it's not really being covered in the news yet. Will that help traffic to the US? Definitely, because... I don't know, maybe they'll try and go to Canada through the U.S., or maybe they can't even transit Canada. I, I, I don't know how it works, but it, it's a huge, there's he, there's lots of traffic between those two countries, so we'll see how it plays out. All right, Doug, our finally final news story is sad but touching at the same time. I always thought the Hawaiian Airlines logo featuring a beautiful woman with Polynesian features and a flower in her hair truly represented Hawaii. Well, the image is of a real person. I did not know this. Did you know that it was a real person? No, I didn't know that either. Sadly, she, her name is Lena Ala Ann Teruya Drummond, Miss Hawaii 1964, passed away of cancer last Monday in Hilo, Hawaii. Lena Ala was a flight attendant or stewardess back then with Hawaiian and was later chosen to be the face of Hawaiian's logo, which is known as Pualani or Flower of the Sky in Hawaiian. She was born in Maui. She completed her education at Kamehameha Schools' Cannons Business College and successfully finished the Hawaiian Airlines Flight Attendant Training Program. She started work at only 18 years old. <laughs> Listen to this. So she's on her image is on A330s flying all over the world, but she had never traveled outside Hawaii until she became Miss Hawaii. But later she worked in the travel and hotel industry. Hawaiian has used her image since 1973, with the logo receiving its third refresh in 2017. Airline employees, she, I didn't even know that they had such a relationship with this image, but airline airline employees of Hawaiian. They shared during a livery makeover video that it's, quote, it's not just a picture of a woman with a flower. It's the way Pualani sits on the plane, overlooks and watches over us. <laughs> I don't know. Whenever I see that, I think, you know, that, that looks like Hawaii to me. I didn't know it was a it real does. person. Yeah, I, I do love the Hawaiian livery.
1: I've I've always really liked it. And as I said, I didn't know that she was a real person. But, no, know, it's, it's sad to hear of her passing. And I, I hope that her family is at peace, but they know... She will hopefully forever adorn the side of Hawaiian airplanes, as you said, flying all over the world.
0: Now, Doug, I, w- I will never look at that logo. Now, I'll never look at that logo the same way.
1: Our first topic today is directly related to airlines' mileage programs and credit cards. How much money do the airlines really make from these partnerships? The Atlantic magazine just did an article called "Quote Airlines Are Just Banks Now." Unquote. Let's look into this non-flying revenue source, Drew.
0: American Airlines started the first significant domestic mileage program called Advantage in 1981. This was their way of attracting frequent flyers, especially high-paying business traffic. Other airlines followed with their own programs. American then went further, partnering with Citibank for a co-branded credit card offering airline miles.
1: Virgin's mileage program was ahead of its time compared to Delta's, rewarding customers based on how much they spent. The Atlantic describes these programs as turning airlines into something more like financial institutions that happen to fly airplanes on the side. Listen to how <laughs> No, no, li- listen to how this this house of safety cards works. A- airlines sell points to banks with co-branded credit cards, and the banks then award these points to cardholders when they buy things. The banks and credit card companies such as Visa and Mastercard make money off of the transaction fees or swipe fees. Cardholders holders redeem points for flights and other products offered by the airlines. So far, there are no costs to the airlines until the points are redeemed, or never if the points aren't used. I, I think we've talked about this in the past, where it seems like a win-win-win for everyone. It's a win for mm-hmm. me, because I get points on things that I have to spend money for anyways. The airlines right. win because they get lots of revenue from the banks who are buying those points, and the banks uh-huh. or the credit card companies win because they get my swipe fees Yes, there are times where one party may be a little bit unhappy, but for the most part, it's a win-win-win triad.
0: I don't know off the top of my head. Like when you use a credit card, how much does the vendor, how much does the retailer pay the credit card? I think it's substantial. I think it's like two or three percent.
1: One point, one point something or two percent. Okay, per, yeah. Even if swipe. it's
0: even if it's one percent, I use credit cards all the time because I want these points. Think of all the revenue. That the credit card is getting one percent times hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of worth of swipes, and then as far as the points ne- are never used. So Robbie and I are sitting on about half a million points right now, <laughs> right? Because Robbie hasn't tried. We have traveled together, and I'm you know I I'm, I have a fear of not e- having enough points, so we never use them. I bet some of them will never be used. So that's what they're saying. We want them because they have value to us, but the airlines never have to. Sometimes never have to like pay back because we're not using them all right Doug, ready for some shocking numbers the equivalent of almost one percent of us gdp is charged just to delta's amex credit card yes not all amex cards just deltas alone and not counting the multi- multitude of other airline credit cards out there
1: one the percent financial... i'm going to stop you one percent that, that is more than some countries have
0: yeah, we have the biggest economy in the world, and 1% of the biggest economy in the world is spent on a Delta credit card, if you can <laughs> believe that. <laughs> the Financial Times reported that in 2020, United's Mileage Plus program was worth, Doug, $22 billion. That's more than a lot of companies are worth, like whole companies. In fact, the company's market cap of t- the, or the total shares held by stockholders, basically the value of the company, was only $10.6 billion. So yeah. you have United's mileage program worth twice as much as its <laughs> as itself, and I know I believe that United used that mileage program to leverage getting lower mm-hmm. interest rates during COVID. Uh, so yeah, just having I, that right.
1: I, I was I was going to mention that that a lot of airlines have used their mileage programs to get out of financial. Difficulties at times Air Canada sold their program for some billions of dollars several years ago when they were in financially difficult situation. They sold the program for billions of dollars to a third party vendor to where Air Canada didn't even own their own freaking flyer program anymore because they needed the money. That's how valuable these programs are.
0: I I knew they were valuable, but twice the value of the company itself. Of the actual company, yeah.
1: This is a great deal for airlines because they can issue points from nothing and then decide how much they're worth. They can and do sell points to flyers looking to boost their balances to buy a ticket. Recently, as in the case of Delta and other airlines, points have been devalued, upsetting customers. I I just want to tell you, Drew, you you and Robbie, you're sitting on half a million points Mm -hmm. for us, and I also have half or more half a million points, miles, hotels, airlines, everything together. I know a lot of people save points for that dream vacation <laughs> years in the future. Right, but which most, we're doing. But most of the points and miles, people will tell you the best way to use your points miles is almost immediately. Because like with money, the, mm-hmm. the there is inflation and the cost of using those miles goes up, which is part of the reason why leaving L.A., a couple weeks ago, I wasn't afraid to just drop seven thousand miles because it's like I'm not going to get this good of a deal ever again. Ever use it now? I have them. Why not?
0: Yes, yeah, so I'm starting to think the same way. Especially all, all this talk about devaluing. When we were planning our trip to uh, London, I was going to fly to uh, SFO to meet you. I was going to fly non-rev, but the flight was filling filling up. So I took a look at how much how much mon- many miles it would cost me, Doug. It was only thirteen thousand five hundred to go across the country. So I cash those in of course i got those back because we didn't go but it's not it's not a lot so people who are listening use your miles just like doug said you know it's it they reduce in value just like keeping cash under a mattress right you want (laughs) to invest that someplace better (laughs) invest it in a nice flight all right so this article (laughs) this article goes on to lament about how deregulation has not provided what it promised in terms of airfare service and there are barriers to entry for new airlines. Doug, I I think we may not agree with some or most of this article. I I definitely learned a lot regarding the value of the mileage programs, but what he's saying about airlines and how they're not a good value anymore, I completely, I mostly disagree with. Let's look at, you know, without reading the whole article, I've put in a, a, a snip for you, and he talks about how airlines have reduced service and how deregulation hasn't helped. I don't 100% agree with that. What are your thoughts? We've talked about this extensively over the
1: now 200 episodes or almost four years about how, yeah, there are certain things that deregulation has led to maybe a little bit worse of an experience in certain ways, but the proliferation of air travel for the masses has been largely because of deregulation. Would we have lay flat seats today if we didn't have deregulation? Would we have all these airline clubs that have lines that now Delta is having to block people to go into if we didn't have deregulation? Well,
0: So he says service keeps getting worse. No, it doesn't. Service is getting better. You know, if you're looking for the cheapest airfare, then no, it's not. But if you're looking at the network carriers, there's a lot of ways service has gotten better. You mentioned the lie flat seats, the clubs, more leg room if you want to pay for it. So service has gotten better in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, there there is no Brazilian steakhouse walking down the aisle like you see in the the old photos from the '70s, where there there's the chef who's cutting the piece of meat. Even on some of the best carriers in the world, we we hear Singapore, we hear Emirates. Yeah, the the service is largely better than other carriers but you, you're still not getting someone cutting the meat in the aisle i don't think or that
0: tossing salads
1: yeah that I, I don't think that's that's ever going to come back ever going to happen again but just look at look at the route map even from 20 years ago i i follow on social media i follow uh, a couple of accounts that always post like route maps from airlines i live in california San Francisco, Los Angeles, two major cities in in California on the West Coast prior to all of these mergers between US Air and America West and then American, Delta, Northwest, Continental, United, the list goes on, all of the hubs or the majority of the hubs, most of the route network was Midwest and the East Coast, the West Coast aside from Alaska and Southwest. And right? a few, a few random Delta flights out of Salt Lake, a few random American, uh, sorry, U.S. Air flights out of Vegas and Phoenix, and maybe United in Los Angeles. The West Coast did not have a lot in terms of actual city pairing, point to point service until like the last fifteen years. And now everyone has hubs on the West Coast. Everyone is is spreading all over the place because of competition, and and that. Pre deregulation, there just wasn't that service level. Yes, maybe the onboard product was arguably better in some ways, but not not some every
0: ways. way. Mm-hmm. Well, you you live in Sacramento. Could you have ever envisioned like growing up as a kid living in California? Sacramento Airport was tiny. There are flights now from Sacramento to the East Coast. There's flights from Sacramento to Hawaii. Multiple so, flights
1: a day to Hawaii.
0: Yes, multiple flights a day to Hawaii. I think you even told me, 19 flights from San Diego to Sacramento? Yeah. So you can't tell me that service has gotten worse. Now, where it has honestly gotten worse, and I, if you're in a small city in the U.S., I, I understand. This is one area where he's right. Lexington, Lexington Kentucky, for example, where Greg is, very expensive. Was so those Greg, people... Where Greg was. Well, now at Cincinnati. He's doing better yeah. now because he has yeah. competition where he is. <laughs> but for these small cities, it is very expensive, and there's not a lot of service. So... That has not deregulation probably has not helped the smaller communities, unfortunately. Just to finish this up, in the 70s, Doug, when a family member or we were going to Sri Lanka, a round trip economy class ticket cost a thousand dollars. That was a lot of money back then. Up until recent, I mean, this the last two years have been an anomaly because the airfares are so high. It's been like two thousand dollars, but up until like pre-COVID, you could still get a ticket to Sri Lanka for about. $1,000. And this is 40 years later. Things have gotten a lot better in a lot of ways. So I think this article paints a picture like it's all bad. Small cities, yes. But in general, there are a lot of good things deregulation has brought about. Oh, that's the other thing I want to mention. He says barriers to entry. I can't even count all the new airlines that there are right now. Avello, Breeze, Redway, we, that's a bad example. <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> just thinking that to you and I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> um, I mean, and you know, we're also seeing Spirit and JetBlue, which may merge, and that'll be good competition. But even, too, Spirit,
1: maybe, so. even Spirit and JetBlue are post-deregulation, and, and look oh, at yeah, how front- big they've become. The new frontier. frontier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not all gloom and doom. Drew, before we finish our 200th episode, we have some awesome messages from our listeners and our friends at Non-Rev Lounge Podcast.
0: This is Kelsey calling from
1: Columbus just wanted to wish you guys congrats on 200 episodes that is super impressive and I've loved hearing all the knowledge you drop weekly so keep up the great work thanks Doug and Drew I look forward to 200 plus more
0: bye Hi, next trip, it's Brittany. My general location is
1: London and Phoenix, I guess. I live two lives. <laughs> um, just wanted to say congrats on 200 episodes. And speaking of London, I hope you guys are having a great time in London celebrating your 200 episode. I may have not listened to every single
0: episode over the last few years of you guys like Laura has, but I've loved listening to everything that I have and learning new things about aviation industry. Can't wait to see what the next 200 episodes bring. Cheers this is Laura ketterman from the non-rev lounge podcast i'm just calling to wish you guys a happy 200th episode what a milestone congratulations i don't know where you are i think i think you're going somewhere north like canada that's my guess congratulations
1: guys hey doug and drew this is tyler from the non-rev lounge podcast congratulations on your
0: 200th show 200 is amazing Congratulations on not becoming the Redway of aviation podcasts. My favorite is when someone else reads one of the jokes that Drew wrote in the script, and you can hear him giggling in the background. You guys are wrong about boom. I prefer to fly direct rather than nonstop. You guys need to put your phone number somewhere people can find it easily on your show notes or social media, so I don't have to call Greg to get it. And thanks for supporting our podcast. Two hundred is amazing. Keep up the good work community you're building is awesome great messages thanks for the thoughts everyone it was very nice of you and thank you for staying with us for 200 episodes doug listening to those messages and doing today's episode was a nice break for us during a sad time for uh, robbie and me we still need to do a trip to mark 200 episodes normally we keep these things under wraps you know to keep the suspense but i need a positive news story so can you tell us tell the listeners what we what we are planning to do
1: we're planning on going to hong kong i have a hong kong trip yeah. in a couple of weeks and when when drew messaged me and said that he couldn't come on this trip anymore he was asking what my october schedule was looking like mainly around his his work time or his uh, his airline like- weekends which are not right. always on the weekends and we we picked the Hong Kong trip, which is going to be awesome. And we found some really fun things, a mission. We always try to have a mission and it's going to be aviation related. I cannot wait.
0: Yeah, it's going to be great. And that could be the launch of our Doug and Drew's One Perfect Day because we talked about you know some airline magazine has three perfect days ain't nobody got time for that if you if you're an airline employee because we want we want to take several trips during the year not just a few so it's going to be our one perfect day i think we'll just do an article on it and some pictures everything happens for a reason and this hong kong trip is actually going to be very meaningful for both of us but also main this hong kong trip for me is going to be very meaningful because before we go to Hong Kong I'll be sitting in as San Francisco's ops manager because they have an offsite meeting so I'll be sitting there and you know I've talked about this before I was an ops agent so to be an ops agent and then come full circle and be the ops manager for mainline not express and then we're going to go to Hong Kong I'm actually going to meet you in Hong Kong because I I don't want to do your 26-hour layover. I want to spend (laughs) a a little bit more time. So I'm on the 12th. I'm going to Hong Kong, and then you're going to show up the day after, and then we're going to hit the ground running. We'll be flying back together on the flight from Hong Kong to San Francisco. And when I say full circle, that flight shares a legacy with Pan Am's flight from Hong Kong to San Francisco which flew me, my mom, my brother and sister to the U.S. in 1974. So it's going to be full circle times two on this trip. And, you know, I should say if it all works out, I'm just going to say it's going to happen because... Think positive. Yeah, (laughs) think positive. Exactly. Yeah. With Hong Kong having
1: finally bounced back from COVID, we'll see a good variety of airlines there, and we can both vouch that it's one of our favorite airports in in the world. In fact, J.D. Power just published their list of best U.S. airports. Here's their what they call mega airport category. The rankings are based on six factors, including terminal facilities, airport arrival, departure, baggage claim, security check, and then the check-in, baggage check, and food, beverage, retail areas. I will say, I think we both think that J.D. Power is probably one of the top when it comes to rankings, as opposed to possibly Skytrax, the pay Sky play, track. some of those type things. This is actually I've looking at objective that. information.
0: Well, it's looking at passenger surveys. It's looking at actual passenger. Now, I've heard talk about Skytrax. It's not all good, but I haven't heard anything bad about J.D. Power. It seems very matter of fact, it seems very um, straightforward.
1: Very much. Each airport is rated on a 1000 point scale. There are 20, no, sorry, 16 on the list. We'll just read the top five real quickly. Number five is Miami. Four is Dallas. Three is Harry Reid International in Vegas. Two is Minneapolis. And number one is Detroit.
0: You know, I have never been to Detroit airport and they keep getting these accolades I haven't been to Minneapolis Saint Paul since I was like twenty one, so I think uh, that's not true.
1: We need to probably. We're we're in Mini. We had we had to run. We had to run, but we were there. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I mean, it seemed nice when we were there. It seemed like there was good shopping, and we made our connection in twenty minutes. So, in that respect, but I didn't get to enjoy it, so we got got to go back.
1: And I do think that Detroit is the best airport in the U.S. I would agree with this.
0: So again, J.D. Power, it, you're seeing that in person. This is the mega airport. So congratulations, your home airport, Sacramento, was in the top 10 of uh, media. I'm sorry, bit large airports. It's a large mm-hmm. airport? Isn't yeah. that crazy? So again, Atlantic, in your article... Things have gotten better for Sacramento, anyway. It didn't used to be a large airport. Now it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <that's good. laughs> All right. This is great information, Doug. But if Geeks were to do this survey, I'm sure it would be different and better, of course. For next week's episode, what is your, what is your favorite world mega airport? Just a couple of rules. It must be a mega airport serving at least 33 million passengers. Could be anywhere in the world, not just the U.S. The factors are plane spotting, variety of aircraft, and the airport terminal. Anything else you want to add to the to the factors?
1: No, I, I think that if listeners have something they want to add, they can do that, but I, I think that's good. Listeners, let us know by contacting us via Instagram, nexttripnetwork.com, Google Voice, or email. Let us know by Thursday of this week, though, so that we can share your opinion on the show next week.
0: All right, everyone. Well, thank you for joining us for a rather melancholy episode 200. So we'll do our celebration in Hong Kong, and we'll celebrate over 200 episodes when we're in Hong Kong, and we'll maybe we'll do a quick uh, look back. But anyway, I, to our listeners. I think, we
1: did, I think we did a good job of keeping it upbeat.
0: I think so. I think we did a good job, too. Thank you to our listeners. This podcast is your show, so go on our website, nexttripnetwork.com, and let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it or give us your feedback. You can also follow us on Instagram at podcast. Please tell your friends about us so we can reach more people who love aviation and travel.
1: You can also call our Google Voice number to ask a question or just rant about something. The number is 872-529-5620 when calling from the U.S., Make sure to use the country code 001 or plus one when calling from abroad. I think Tyler asked us to post that number somewhere so that people uh-huh. don't have to listen. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it out oh, on Instagram. We'll, we'll get the number out there so that you can call in. Thanks to all of our listeners for your support and for joining the conversation. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, stay aviation tough.
0: This has been the Next Trip Podcast.